This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. No, I am not, as you can tell, live from our posh state-of-the-art studios here uh, in Dallas, Texas for the Blaze. This is Steve Dace live from my hotel room uh, in Dallas, Texas. We had to kind of make do with uh, a bit of a makeshift program here today. And not sure if you are able to watch or listen to this live. Apparently, this is like a national story about these storms here in the DFW area. Just to show you the way I can compartmentalize, I had no idea any of this was going on. I uh, just got up, did my thing this morning. I'm in the middle of my workout get done. My phone's going off. I'm getting texts from, you know, friends and family all over the country. You safe? Are you okay? I'm like, I just got done doing a bunch of pushups, but I think I'm okay. You know, I mean, I just, I didn't know there were tornadoes or funnel clouds, but turns out uh, there's a mass power outage over at Blaze HQ. I have no idea why the state-of-the-art Blaze HQ got struck down, but the, the hotel here in the heart of Dallas uh, that I'm at, I'm able to do the show from. So, we are here uh, doing the show from my hotel room. I, it, it, it's, you have to deal with it. You're going to hear the uh, the AC go off right next to me here every now and then. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, we're here. We have the full crew. Todd and Aaron are back there in Des Moines where, you know, you guys are probably trying to avoid, you know, uh, winter storm warnings, not tornado sirens here in the middle of December, guys. Correct. Just rain so far, but I think later on this week, and maybe even overnight tonight, it's changing so fast. Looking at uh, looking at those winter storms, not fun, not fun. Would you rather have a winter storm this time of year or a funnel cloud, Todd Erzin? Winter storm, big one. It's Christmas. See, I'm with you. Steve, do I have to need to tell you it's Christmas? Come on, Slappy. No, I agree with you. I agree. Now, if you were to ask me that question from January 2nd on onward, any other day oh, time yeah. of year, other than, say, late November till January 2nd, I would agree I'd rather have the funnel cloud in my in, well, yeah. right in the town and where I live. But to, to connect these two issues perfectly, yeah, when, we, when you took me down to Dallas for the very first time and we were uh, on our way back, and that, I believe, was in late February... And yeah, I had the window seat and you're looking over my shoulder and you're just like whispering, it's death and desolation. So yeah, I, I, I've had a first row seat to your sense of uh, despair of any snow after January 2nd, let alone deep into February. The winters, the winters have broken me, man. You guys don't hear me complain about heat. When was the last time you heard me complain about how hot it was? The winters though, the winters have broken me. I am, I'm a mess, I'm a wreck. I'm a complete and total beta from about the middle of January until about the middle of March. I'm not proud of it. Frankly, I'm ashamed. But it is what it is. The winter, winter, winter has absolutely broken me. Um, before we get to, well, first of all, the rundown of the show today, you guys maybe have heard the story about the business in Virginia denying Christian customers. We're going to have uh, more on that here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, my daughter will join us next hour. Fake news or not next hour. Pop Culture Tuesday next hour. 
Um, we're going to give you some of the details on a screening of a certain film that we held yesterday here in Dallas. So we got a lot going on here on the show. But before we get to all of that and Aaron's rundown, breaking news this morning that has yet to make it into Aaron's rundown that I think we have to address, guys. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announces this morning that he is petitioning the state Supreme Court for the appointing of a statewide grand jury for the purposes of investigating Pfizer and Moderna for crimes and false claims. Your thoughts? Let's go. Let's go. That's a huge deal. Uh, also, I want to be the first to say, hashtag Ron DeSantis didn't kill himself. Well, that too. That too. Uh, at this point, Ron DeSantis and Elon Musk better have the two best personal security forces on planet Earth. But Todd, your thoughts? You remember, what was it, a couple years ago with one of the pictures of the year where Trump and like two other dudes around that orb? Yes. Well, while that orb was fake news, DeSantis has the real one. He has Mm. he has the seeing stones. And and I don't know what's going to happen, what's going to come of this, because as I've told you about the magical power of vaccines, no, no one wants to admit that they fell for this. And this may go bad. The, The truth coming out. Look at Steve and I wrote a book. Steve's got another one coming out. People hate the truth on this, but the truth must come out nonetheless. And God bless this man for saying, who else? Here I am, Lord. Send me. And then you have Elon Musk, who this morning has begun restoring the accounts on Twitter of COVID heroes, beginning with the two biggest names, in my view, of all those who were banned. Robert Malone, who, of course, is a pioneer in mRNA technology, one of the most renowned, decorated virologists of this age pre-COVID. And then Dr. Peter McCullough, maybe the most decorated cardiologist in American history prior to the advent of COVID. Both of their accounts, as far as I can tell, those are the first two of the, the COVID heroes, the solstices of, uh, of, of COVID, if you will, the, the heroic dissenters. Those are the first two to have their accounts restored as of this morning. I'm not sure if more have, but what do you guys think about that? Todd, I'll start with you this time. Well, I I think uh, this is a lot of people are saying it, you know, thank goodness it's about time. People have been uh, for weeks uh, and we've retweeted uh, or or tweeted uh, the need to get them back on. But this does not seem to be like random uh by elon musk the way he's going about this the 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 sequential notion of information dumps by various different reporters i don't know exactly what the plan is and uh, i believe we're going to be discussing that perhaps uh later on in the uh, in the in the overtime but there is a plan there and that's reassuring and along those lines aaron uh, musk has also said that Yes, there will be a release of the COVID Twitter files of, of, of the censorship and uh, the metrics they use to impose that forthcoming, similar to what he's already released so far that we'll be talking about later today for fake news or not. What do you think? I think um, I, I think this is all this is all good. I mean, I, I don't know when people like Shannon Joy and Daniel Horowitz are going to get their original accounts back. 
I guess they're further down the totem pole. I, I, I don't know what process there is for that. Because we saw it was uh, Jay Bhattacharya. He talked about he was actually invited by Musk to go to mm-hmm. Twitter's HQ because he's right there in the area anyway at Stanford. Uh, he's the epidemiologist that uh, Francis Collins called, among others, Fringe, by the way, uh, Stanford epidemiologist. Um, I, I'm guessing he might have said something. Hey, can we get these guys back on? I don't know what the process is for others because there are a bevy of them still yes. to have yet uh, to receive or recover. It's a very their, decorated people on top of that. Yes, yeah. to recover their accounts. So it's good news trending in the right direction. I was, I, I thought when he kept on this uh, Yoel Roth guy who tweets uh, ad nauseum about gay porn, I thought he's just gone weak in the knees here for whatever reason. I was totally, totally and completely wrong about that. In fact, it's gone the other direction, well, which is a very, very good thing. Well, we're, definitively, one part of the plan that seems to be obvious that, yeah, he fired a, quite a few people right out of the gate. But they've got their own swamp there, and there's a lot of people embedded everywhere. And by trickling this thing out, it gives Musk an opportunity to continue to find out the, the, the roosters he has in his own hen house. I think that's really important. He needs this process to go on for a while to make sure that he can uh, get rid of all of the people. And no one can—I don't think anybody—people can hide out maybe for a couple weeks. He wants all of them. Elon Musk wants all of them, and he's he keeps tweeting out winks and nods to us. To let, you think it's you know when he's doing stuff like uh, my pronouns are Fauci, uh, prosecute Fauci. He's doing that as much to send a message to the people still working there who need yeah. to make a decision about what yeah. they're doing with their lives. That is a great point. You know, uh, this morning Twitter's Trust and Safety Council got disbanded. Number one, I, I didn't know such an entity existed. Number two, Twitter has long, and, and this, was a, this was a complaint pre-COVID uh, and really pre-2020 and pre-Trump, you know, when, when Twitter was much more of a free-for-all from a free speech stand, standpoint, which was its original vision, prior to Trump using it to win the election, the unforgivable sin. And so uh, the spirit of the age had to make sure there were no repeats after that event. But prior to, even prior to that, there were complaints about Twitter being a haven for child pornographers, human traffickers, child exploitation. If, if they weren't shutting all that down, and Musk said that was his number one priority when he bought Twitter, and it was considered one of the worst sources outside of the dark web in the world for access to that kind of content. If, if, if the Trust and Safety Council at Twitter weren't protecting children from sexploitation and human traffickers, guys, when in the Sam Hill was the, health, was the Trust and Safety Council at Twitter doing all this time? Well, it's the the opposite of their claims are always the truth. They, they don't care about trust and safety. They have to make sure that words like uh, conservative are constantly conflated with misinformation, et cetera, et cetera. So they can right, go on and be the worst right. people in the history of the world. Yeah, right on. Uh, one other one other note real quick. Uh, there's also something that uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced this morning as well. Some sort of uh, panel or uh, task force to investigate uh, the information disseminated by CDC, NIH, NIAID, things like that as well. I think that could be that that could be a, a big deal as well, at least to have some sort of mouthpiece to push back officially yeah. uh, from the state level uh, against some of these bad actors. I think that could be a big deal as well. I, I had not heard about that part of it, but 
that is now you've got a two-pronged approach there that if your state Supreme Court goes weak in the knees and doesn't appoint a grand jury, you're still prying the Overton window open with, with your branch of government uh, where that information flow is concerned as well. So, I mean, essentially what Ron DeSantis has done over the last two years in the state of Florida through uh, aggressive levels of interposition has created a, a parallel republic in the state of Florida, an alternative republic in the state of Florida. And along those lines, those are some things that I know a lot of people are trying to do right now uh, on, a, on a mass scale, a parallel economy, an alternative economy. That's what our friends over at Public SQ, that's what they're trying to help you to do as well. Uh, short for Public Square. Uh, it is the app that wants to create the largest platform of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses uh, that uh, the country has ever seen. So whether you want to support the, uh, the the restaurant that only buys farm to table locally, that coffee shop that stood up to the COVID mandates, the, the local bank that says they're never going to cancel you for your views, you can find them with this app, Public SQ for Public Square. Just go to publicsq.com to download the app right now. Publicsq.com. Download the app there. Uh, there's also an interactive, sensor-free community groups where you can connect with other local members. It's absolutely free to join. You can list your business there too if you want. So download the app today on their website, Public SQ for Public Square, publicsq.com. So pardon the delay. Let's get to it. Here's Aaron's rundown of what else happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the Twitter Files Parts 2 through 5. I'll give you a quick 10,000-foot view of what we've learned as more dumps of documents from the old Twitter continue to come out. We learned that Twitter literally had a button they hit to shadow ban people, except they just called it visibility filtering. We also learned Twitter was indeed squashing distribution of some of Donald Trump's tweets while he was campaigning for re-election. We also learned that pressure to ban Trump from the platform was highest from within the company, and that content moderation was done on the fly and based on gut feelings of Twitter's censors. Here are just a few things Elon Musk has tweeted in the past few days. Quote, my pronouns are prosecute slash Fauci. The woke mind virus is either defeated or nothing else matters. The branch Covidians are upset, lol. In completely unrelated news, here's Anthony Fauci. Yeah, I mean, that that is a difficult issue to address. And the only thing that we can do while maintaining people's freedom to say what they want to do is to really get out there and be very proactive in putting out science-based, evidence-based, data-based information. Because it seems like the people who spread the disinformation are very energetic and seem to have nothing else to do but do that. In further unrelated news, tweet from CTV News, increased heart failure deaths linked to extreme hot and cold, according to study. In further, further unrelated news, beloved and legendary college football coach Mike Leach passed away this morning at the age of 61 after having suffered a heart attack just a few days ago. In further, further, further unrelated news, here's Tony Fauci once again. And Dr. Fauci, what do we say if we have a family member who is still hesitant about getting the vaccine? Well, I would reason with that person by just showing them the data. And the data are overwhelmingly dramatic. If you look at the curve of deaths and hospitalization among unvaccinated people compared to vaccinated and boosted people, 
You really don't need a statistician to tell you what the right thing to do is. Moving on, former FTX CEO and crypto bro Sam Bankman-Fried has been arrested by the Bahamian government after the U.S. government filed criminal charges against Bankman-Fried, alleging he carried out a multi-year scheme to defraud investors. Bankman-Fried lost investor money to the tune of many billions of dollars. The latest inflation numbers are out and it shows the price to exist is still not slowing down in any meaningful way. The overall consumer price index is up 7% year over year. Gas is up 10% year over year. Fuel oil is up nearly 66%. Electricity is up nearly 14%. Groceries overall up 12%. Milk up 15%. Eggs up 50%. Bread and potatoes up around 16%. Baby food up around 11%. And airline fares up around 36%. The Cambridge Dictionary has a new definition of the word woman. The new definition reads, quote, an adult who lives and identifies as a female, though they may have been said to have a different sex at birth, end quote. A lesbian woman in Norway is facing criminal charges and potentially three years in jail under that country's hate speech law for stating that men cannot be lesbians. Former nuclear waste disposal guru and all-around sexual deviant Sam Brinton is out of a job. After it was brought to light, he stole yet another woman's luggage, this time at the Las Vegas International Airport. And finally, the latent aforementioned Mike Leach was not only an offensive genius who popularized the air raid offensive system, he was a complete and total goober off the field, pontificating and giving his strong opinions on random subjects like this diatribe on candy after his team had just won a game. I mean, I completely hate candy corn. Um, <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, well, gummy bears, let's see. Uh, gummy bears for sure. Sour or regular? Uh, um, the, the, the hair bow. It's got to be the hair bow ones. And then uh, the other thing I like is uh, is when they used to have the, the uh, sprees in a box. Outstanding. You have to go to the dollar store to find it, but I do. And then the latest, the, the latest, you know, there's still candy innovation, although a while back I found that Europe had better candy than we did overall because <laughs> they have gummy everything. And then, uh, but uh, um, the uh, you know, they have those nerds clusters, which is new. With the gummy. Yeah, which is good. The nerds clusters is good. And then if you go chocolate, uh, probably Almond Joy. Love it. Hopefully you'll get some of that next week. Yeah, yeah we'll see. And that's what happened while we were away. Here's Montage brought to you by our friends over at realestateagentsitrust.com in these unprecedented times. Bing. Indeed, where Aaron gave you the massive rundown of inflation there. Did you see the last line of that rundown? Hourly wages in America yeah. are down almost 2%. So you're making less money. At the same time, the cost of everything is going up. We had the incredible data earlier this year uh, in, 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 of how much the average mortgage and pay, mortgage payment has increased uh, since Joe Biden took office, et cetera. Make sure, make sure if you are going into the real estate market, you have an agent that you can trust to get you from start and even more importantly, to the finish. And where would you find them? We make it as simple as possible. Just go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Process is simple. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com today, provide some basic info, then our team reaches out to you for an introduction to a preferred agent uh, wherever you want to go. And a lot of times they're going to come from right here in this audience. So you know that you have uh, value systems that you can trust there as well. Realestateagentsitrust.com. That's where you want to go. Realestateagentsitrust.com. So 
the two Fauci clips that were that were played there. Number one, agree with every word that he said. Wholeheartedly agree with every word that he said. Let's you know, let's have open speech. But if people come at you with misinformation, hammer them with the truth and the data, because those who are purveyors of misinformation are extremely aggressive while purveying it. Gentlemen, tell me what you disagree with there. I, I couldn't agree more. It just, I mean, he, in many respects, summed up most of the shows that we have done over the last 33 months going on on this program. It just so happened, though, that the, 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 mis, the, the aggressive purveying of misin, or purveyor of misinformation we all too often had to confront, gentlemen, was him. He was the one. He was the one that we had to confront with facts and data. Your thoughts? Well, as I just got done saying with Twitter, they are, they are, of course, I agree with it, but they're always guilty of doing the very thing they're blaming others of. And mm -hmm. again, as we, Steve, our, our book on this, and I've been reminding people by reposting the cover uh, uh, several times uh, in the last week, that, that came out when, remind me, a April of 2021? March of 2021. March of yeah. 2021. Uh, we, we've known this about how this guy works for a very, very long time, which, again, is why uh, applaud DeSantis for doing what he's doing. But this, uh, the, you know, th this is like uh, didn't um, um, Musk actually just call it a Fauci worm tongue or something recently as yes. well? This is yeah, the, we're me. Yeah, yes. we're dealing with the dark magic here. It's not yeah. going to be easy because this trance has been going on for so long. People are instantly rushing to Fauci's defense. It doesn't matter how many, you know, more and more Mike Leeches are going to happen. They're going to be falling because this thing is a ticking time bomb and no one wants to admit it. This is going to be hard work. For example, Aaron, in the next clip you played of Fauci, he makes it. He he's make, he makes he's talking like it is still April of yep. 2021. Look at these curves. Uh, look at these curves. Okay, I came out on Twitter with some data over the weekend, and a uh, a buddy of mine is a banking CEO here in Iowa. Should be pretty good with numbers, you'd think, right? You hope. Okay. I had him look at the excess, ex, total excess death, deaths number and deaths numbers in Iowa, just in our own state, compared to where they have been the last couple of years, and where they were pre-COVID. And here's what you find: what you find is deaths this year are a little down from last year, but pretty much on par with where they were in 2020, and are way ahead of where they were in 2017 into 2019 on average the pre-COVID years. Here's the problem. So they're going to say, people like Fauci are going to say, if you, if, you, if, you, if you get to confront them with numbers like that, Aaron, because often you don't, but if you get to, like look at the fawning media person, oh yes, and say, oh yes, oh yes, just feed me more BS, yes, by all means, I will regurgitate because I also am warm tongue. Yes, okay. If you get to actually confront them with data like this, here's what they always say, long COVID. So I'm not going to give you that option. Because only one time, Aaron, in the last now 283 days in the state of Iowa has daily COVID deaths reached double figures, like 10 or more. Only one time has that happened in the state of Iowa in 283 days, and it, and it barely reached double figures. July 10th, 10 people died 
were, were listed as COVID deaths in Iowa. That is the only time in the last 283 days that we have reached double figures of COVID deaths in this state, despite the fact our total excess deaths January through the end of October are way ahead of the trend line in the pre-COVID years of 2017 to 2019. There's some damn data for Anthony Fauci right there, Aaron. That's the point of the conversation. If you ever get the you know the opportunity to confront some of these fools with actual data, that is the point of the conversation where they just start uh, going off emotionally on you and saying you're a science denying freak show. Uh, you don't like to wear masks because you uh, want to kill grandma. That's that's the part of the conversation where that turns. And with with Anthony Fauci again, and I don't know why it seems like he's leaving the scene now and we are seeing more from him as much as we have since April of like 2020. It seems like maybe this is just kind of a final hurrah. I hope that's what it is. But the uh, amount of duplicity, I'm not sure if I can. I'm not sure how much more I can uh, take from this guy. Really? I Between this, every day we see clips like we see clips like this and that deposition I mean, this is one of the most wicked, wicked people, persons in this in this country, maybe that 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 we've ever seen, Mm -hmm. maybe that we have ever seen. And that is saying something. And yet half the country believes he's some sort of oracle of truth. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? Well, as we've said many, many times and Todd just alluded to and said it has to be defeated. It has to be absolutely crushed and defeated. Elon, Musk's, um, Elon Musk understands this. I don't think he understands it at a spiritual level, but he at least understands this. And I, I would just say at the end of the day as well, too. I, I, I was saying that I was kind of providing my commentary while the montage was playing. And he's talking like, look at the curves. It's just really well rehearsed and polished. It's just like he knows he's talking to Rubes. He knows he's yeah, talking to people. Absolutely. Who, it doesn't matter if he got up there and started making fart sounds with his armpit. They would still jab themselves for the you know 666th time. This is the level of cult that we are up against and that he is the figurehead of. It's exactly why he is here again. It, 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 we can't even believe it here on this set and our listeners. But the reason why he is suddenly rising while Musk is what doing what he is doing and we're turning the McCullers of the world to the fold it's because Fauci works he, he really works on people he's worked this whole time for the most part there's a lot of people doubting him of course most people still believe in him most people still believe the vaccine was necessary most people still believe that this whole pandem- pandemic w- was uh, something just an accident and if and the worst person in the world regarding the pandemic uh, was probably Donald Trump and not somebody else they still believe this that's why we have so much work to do and rolling Fauci out again just goes to show the weapon he has been in all of this. And, and as much as we'd like to think we have, we really still haven't uh, kneecapped him even close to the way that needs to happen. My wife and I, when we were younger, loved the, uh, the Buffy the Vampire TV, TV show. And one of my favorite episodes is Buffy's senior prom. And even though for four years of high school, this, this, this city that's built on a hell mouth and that, and they want to ignore it. Their kids disappear. Their kids get killed. 
loved ones die suddenly. They just want to ignore the fact they live on a hellmouth because the idea of confronting the reality of, of what they're a portal to is just so terrible they can't admit it. And so this heroic figure that the church appoints these slayers in every era to fight back against hell and Buffy's the appointed slayer for this or hellmouth for this era. And, and you'd think she'd be, you know, a queen, the queen of the prom. She's she is uh, and she's she's an outlier. They hate her. Uh, she they hate that she never gets thanked for saving their lives because every time she does, it's a reminder of the truth that they have lied to themselves about in this community for who knows how many years because it's just too horrible to accept. And finally, she ends up missing her senior prom, sending saving the school from I think it's a pack of werewolves that come out of the hellmouth from 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 down below. And I bring that up because I'm starting to wonder. If the biggest impediment to getting to the truth of this, ultimately, in mass, isn't fixtures like Anthony Fauci or entities like CDC, but when you have less than 15% of American adults took this clot shot, took this poison juice at least once, fewer than 15%, are that many people, guys, going to want to admit yeah. what they've been had, are going to want to admit what they subjected themselves to and recommended for others. Are they gonna want to, is there, is there enough humility in this country to admit an error of that, a scam of that magnitude? I think that might be the impediment here. As long as they can remain anonymous. <laughs> That's where we are. I don't like that. I don't like what that says. But if, they, if there was a way to do that and stay anonymous and maybe get some recompense for it, I think there is. You nailed it, Steve. Uh, it, it has to do with teachers uh, in the school district. Not all of them are groomers. I don't believe all of them are groomers. I believe most aren't. But most of them are silent on this. You, where, where are the school districts, where you, no matter where they are, even in red states, where there's a bunch of teachers coming out and they're saying, oh, hell no, here and no further. That's not happening. And that's also happening for the very same reason you talked about, Steve. They know that their lies about inclusiveness and all this has led to this moment, and they don't want to stick their neck out. That is the true pandemic. Aaron, we up against the break here. 30 seconds. All right, when we come back, we're going to Virginia. And some of you saw this story that emerged from the last week about a business there denying service to people on the basis of their Christianity. We're to talk to somebody who is at front and center of that story and more coming up here in just a matter of moments right here on Blaze TV. You're watching, listening to The Steve Day Show. Thank you for tuning in. The Steve Day Show. So speaking of medical misinformation, you know, some of you might remember a world where ivermectin was a, a Nobel Prize winning drug when hydroxychloroquine had been FDA approved for going on a sixth decade. And then suddenly, I mean, I guess we could sit here and debate the efficacy of those medications as effective treatments for COVID-19, but they were even called to be unsafe, deadly, the the maker of ivermectin put out a, who took who accepted a nobel prize for their drug put out a, a a press release last year claiming their drug was now dangerous that's the level of dishonest gaslighting we are dealing with here with the current spirit of the age 
public health regime where truth is absent. That's why you want to make sure you contact our friends over at Jace Medical. Winter is coming, like any day now. Uh, that means cold, flu season, virus season at a peak. Who knows? You know, maybe the next venerable drug that they'll claim you can't have because it would actually help you is right there in their Jace case. Or maybe it just gets, you know, uh, it gets shorted because we let the Shycoms curate 80% of our antibiotics, like amoxicillin. Thankfully, amoxicillin is in the Jace case. So contact our friends over at Jace Medical right now. Get their five-course packet of antibiotics just to make sure your family is prepared for the next time that couldn't happen here, happens here again. Jace Medical, J as in jump, as in jump at this right now. Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. All right, answer a few questions, takes just a few minutes, and then use the offer code DACE10 at checkout for $10 off. Offer code DACE10 at checkout for 10 bucks off at Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Well, I know a lot of you have heard the story about a restaurant in Virginia that told the Virginia Family Foundation to get out because of its moral views. Victoria Cobb is with the Virginia Family Family Foundation. She joins us now here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. And it's a pleasure to have you with us. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So, Victoria, I, 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 you know, the proverb says there's, you know, one man's story seems true until you hear the other side, right? So this is now where you need to come clean. You guys went in there. You raised a holy ruckus. You destroyed the place. Uh, you didn't tip well. You treated the, 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 the service people there very poorly. And this is just an excuse for the fact you went in there and showed your ends and embarrassed yourselves. Is that actually what happened? <laughs> Uh, no, unfortunately, we didn't even have the opportunity to prove that we would have been very charitable, kind and excellent customers because we weren't allowed in the door in the first place. So lead us, tell us the backstory here. Did you guys know in advance the what the ownership of the or the management of this restaurant, where they were coming from? Are you did they pick on you guys uniquely after knowing who you are? Had they done this to some other people? What's the backstory here? Yeah, we simply made a reservation at this restaurant about two or so weeks before for a private room to be able to just bring some supporters and update them on our work. And unfortunately, about an hour and a half before, we got a call from one of the owners and they simply said, we're canceling your event. And when we asked why, they said, our wait staff refused to serve you. And then, of course, they issue a public statement. You may have seen it. It has many uh, words. It's an incredibly hypocritical statement where they use all sorts of flowery words like inclusivity and welcoming environment in order to defend their refusal, their intolerant behavior, their hateful behavior. And so all that to say, um, we don't know if they've ever done this before. They've certainly never done this to us before. But it's shocking that a restaurant prejudges its customers with a political or religious litmus test and says, nah, we can't even you know, give you the opportunity to have food to see if you would have been a kind, charitable, and appropriate customer. Well, first of all, I may take a different tact here. I, I want to congratulate you guys. I mean, we, we've got we've got a demonic spirit of the age here, openly waging a cold civil war on whatever is left of Western civilization. And frankly, Virginia, a lot of our people and a lot of our leaders can't even be bothered, you know, to to be a threat to it, to confront it, just kind of, you know, uh, well, you know, if I, I, 
self-censoring on my Facebook page because Aunt Petunia, who I already can't stand, might say something snotty to me at the next Thanksgiving meal, okay? So we're out here self-censoring. We're out here hiding. We're out here tweeting shows like mine, uh, you know, all kinds of, of, of facts about what's really going on out there with the, with the closing paragraph. But don't use my name. I might lose my job. We're out here doing everything we can to run and cower from these kinds of elements. And apparently your organization must be such a threat that they are stepping to you like this very, very publicly. So I actually, I, I, I want to congratulate you and ask, this reminds me of a story I once heard Bill Bennett, when I worked with him at Salem, once told a story about Ronald Reagan when he first took over as secretary of education. And he had given an interview, I think it was to the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost, I can't remember which one. And, and he was just very honest about wanting school choice and those and vouchers and those kinds of things. This was the 80s. And this was, you know, I mean, this was very, it's radical now. It was very radical then. And they wrote an article about how the Reagan administration's new guy wants to destroy public education. And Bill Bennett's like, oh, no, man, I haven't got my first cabinet meeting in yet. All right. Shows up for the first cabinet meeting there in the Oval Office. Reagan has this article folded in the paper on the desk where he's about to sit. And, and, and he gets up, grabs the paper. All the cabinet members are looking at Bill Bennett, giving him a dirty look and saying, you're new here. You screwed us with running your mouth. Reagan reads the editorial line by line. And then he looks at the rest of the cabinet and says, here's my question. This guy has been on the job for two days and he's already <laughs> angry and frustrating all of the right people. What have the rest of you guys been doing this entire time? Why aren't they writing this kind of stuff about you? That's why we're here, right? So. Yeah, I mean, congratulations on making the right enemies, Virginia. We definitely know that we're on the tip of the spear at the Family Foundation. We're in the public square. We battle at the Capitol over things like religious freedom. Uh, they referenced our views on abortion. We absolutely, you know, they said something about human rights. And we think of ourselves as the ultimate human rights organization. What is more of a human right than the right to life? And so mm -hmm. we do that. We also, you know, we have a law center. And so every day we're actually defending people who have lost jobs. You mentioned, you know, all the people that are, you know, trying to prevent this from happening by self-censoring. But there are people out there that have literally lost their livelihood because of their faith. They're walking out their values. This was the vision of our founders to exercise our religion. And these people are doing it and they're paying consequences. And so we are glad to be a part of that. Um, we're happy to defend what we believe. We're happy to continue to speak loudly. This, these kind of things I think are intended to chill speech, intended to make people think twice, intended to make sure that you are very private about what you believe. And we're just not gonna go quietly. So let's talk about this from a legal standpoint for a moment, right? We, people on our side have been arguing for the last few years against so-called bake the cake bigot cases, right? And, and, and or, or military chaplains who get court-martialed for praying in Jesus' name, or florists like Baron L. Stutzman who uh, have the same gay client for 10 years, and then when he asks to do his wedding, says, you know what, I, that's a service I just don't want to perform, right? We, we have been drawing the distinction that some services violate rights of conscience, and we wouldn't ask a black caterer, we wouldn't say a black caterer has to cater a white supremacist conference, right? We wouldn't, we wouldn't tell a Jewish deli owner he's got to bring, he's got to cater a, a neo-Nazi gathering, right? So th there are clearly limits to rights of conscience. Is the issue here, therefore, that they exercise their rights of conscience against you, per se, or that they get to exercise their rights of conscience 
sight unseen with maximum benefit of the doubt. But every time people like you and I turn on to Tolerance Boulevard, we find it's a one-way street. Yeah, there's a double standard here that's really remarkable, that they want to use the law and the courts to go after someone like Jack the Phillips, Jack Phillips the baker, I think he's the, the obvious example that people kind of know where they say, we want you not only to serve us a cake, which Jack is happy to do. He makes birthday cakes for LGBT people. He has relationships. He invites them into his store and makes it a welcoming environment. What he won't do is violate his faith by actually participating in a ceremony that he believes is honoring something that his God actually finds offensive. That is his position, which is very different than the statement that we had, which was our wait staff have prejudged you. We, we've never met you. We don't, know, we don't know much about you. We know about your beliefs. And because you're Christians and you believe these things, it's an unwelcoming environment for you. We are not able to have you in this place, let alone what you're doing. Because there was no question about what is the event about. I mean, I, I jokingly say they highlighted two of our views. We do many things. And you mentioned Bill Bennett on the educational freedom. That's a big plank of ours. We could have been gathering to have a tremendous conversation about inner city urban kids that need educational opportunities. But they have no idea. It was we don't like you. We have bigoted views about you as people. And that's unfortunate that that happens in our society. And we just want to highlight that so that we tell other restaurants, this is not a model to follow. Important distinction you just made there. We never even got to the service argument, the rights of conscience with, with specific service arguments, the nuance that people like, you know, the, Jack, uh, the cake baker in, in Denver, for example, has had, because they keep picking on him, multiple opportunities now to make, all right? But which is, I'm not denying you as an individual or even because of what you believe, but now you're trying to impose those beliefs on me and how I serve you, right? Yeah. In your case, they profiled you as as a, as a, as a as a person before we even you didn't say hey i we need you guys to bake us a cake here for our gathering that says jesus is the reason for the season hey we actually need you guys to to arrange the 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 cutlery to honor verses in leviticus that condemn homosexuality you didn't you, you didn't even try to get them to change a service anything to tailor to your beliefs you just showed up as you are and it's because of who you are that we will deny you service before we even get into what that service actually is going to be. You got it. And lots of the news coverage has focused on this celebrity chef and comparing this person to the baker. But the reality is the chef never said, I can't use my artistic skills to help the Family Foundation. They said, my wait staff doesn't want to put food on the table in the same room, basically. That is a very different scenario that we're talking about. And mm -hmm. in Jack's case, we got to remember, too, that the courts have just deemed artistic expressions speech. They have. And so the bottom line is Jack is should not be compelled to be a part of messages that he doesn't agree with. And that gets to the web designer that was in court just last week. She should not have to write content for a specific kind of website, not the person, but a site that is celebrating same-sex marriage, same issue, um, but very different from, oh, we're going to prejudge you and our hatred, bigotry, and intolerance of who you are before we even get to what's being said in the meeting or, you know, artistic skills of the baker and the chef and those kind of people. We're, we're going we're gonna to judge you. And I think a lot of folks relate to this story because they're wondering, what kind of judgments, what kind of political litmus test or religious litmus test is at the door when I go to a restaurant? Is everybody, am I triggering somebody when I pray before my meal? If I wear a shirt that has 
you know, a viewpoint on it, am I going to not get served? People know this is a very concerning sort of perspective of service staff. Final question, what's the remedy here? What happens next? Well, that's what we're looking into. We're certainly leaving options open. We do, as I mentioned, have the Founding Freedoms Law Center, which is part of our organization that every day does litigate on these things. And so we're certainly evaluating that as whether that's needed. We're just glad right now that they've really been, I'd say, tried in the, the court of public opinion. People are weighing in, and I think they're being found guilty of really just intolerance. You know, I think the not the B today made the... Uh, they made the comment we're you know we're tolerant but not that tolerant we're inclusive but kind of not that inclusive you know this is the thing and i think people are on top of that and so i'm appreciative that people are really beginning to understand this issue and it's just alerting people to be willing to step out and and be consistent with your faith walk out your views and and be ready for the consequences but there are legal organizations there to protect you because we were America was built on these freedoms the bedrock of our society is the freedom of exercising your faith and being able to speak the words that you believe not words compelled by government amen it's a big club victoria and we ain't in it in other words that's what you learned <laughs> i heard great things that's about right. you from our mutual friend bob interplots thanks for joining us and merry christmas to you and your whole team okay thank you thanks for having me appreciate it you bet. That's Victoria Cobb from the Virginia Family Foundation. Gentlemen, your thoughts on that conversation? Yeah, it's, again, another reminder when you step onto Tolerance Boulevard, it's a one-way street, as you like to say, and I completely just ripped that off from you. Thank you for that, Steve. Um, the level of hatred, while simultaneously saying while simultaneously saying that they are the people they've been waiting for, the people of love and tolerance, and that we're the bigots, and we, the, the level of hatred from this group of people is not going away anytime soon. Mm -hmm. And a number of Republicans just voted recently in the Senate to encourage that behavior. Mm -hmm. Make no mistake, we're all going to be Victoria Cobbed soon. We're all going to be Jack the Baker soon. We're all going to be Baronel Stutzman soon with the blessing of many Republicans in the United States Senate. And this Congress. Is not, and, con and Congress in general, too. Make no mistake. That's where this is going. Amen. Todd? Great line in The Two Towers uh, from Aragorn when he's trying to uh, steal the truths for what's to come. Offer them no mercy, for none will be offered to you. Now... We, we have no choice as Christians but to offer mercy when they ask for it. But that's the distinction. These people are, they, they all, five minutes ago, all these people who wouldn't let Victoria into their restaurant, I guarantee you they had uh, coexist sticker, bumper stickers on their cars. Yes. It, was always a, it was always a lie. It was yeah. always a lie to get you to this point where they could shun you, where they could scarlet letter you. And, and you're finding all kinds of ways to triangulate this in your own mind to keep your comfort. Look at your children. They won't be allowed this in five more minutes. All right. And you're going to pass this off to them and they're going to look you in the eye and ask, why am I living a surf's life? It's going to be because of you, their parents, who simply would not understand what time it is. Folks, Aaron has a story in his montage out of Norway. Yeah. Or a lesbian, and I mean a lesbian. Yes. Butch, hair, no makeup. We're not talking lipstick lesbian, gay for the stay, lesbian for the headlines and the Hollywood reporter, okay? 
we're talking I'm arched look of a lesbian. Okay. And, and she's going to jail. Yeah. Because she refuses to, because she refuses to say that men can be lesbians. (laughs) So (laughs) if no mercy is offered, if, if Western countries are at the point that they offer no mercy to those who have fully bought into their spirit of the age in, in altering their identity and worldview and belief system and most intimate, innate aspects of their persona in general. Imagine how much mercy there is for people like you and I who don't give into it at all. None is the answer. Hour two is next. back here from my hotel room in Dallas because it was biblical here a few hours ago. Uh, I mean, it looked like a scene out of Ghostbusters, cats and dogs living together, tornadoes touching down here in DFW. We had a mass power outage. Somehow my hotel was immune, uh, but Blaze headquarters was not. So I've been doing the show from uh, inside my inner sanctum here today. Thank you for putting up with that. Todd and Aaron are back there in Des Moines. My oldest daughter, Anna, will be joining us here momentarily. Don't forget that you can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Take advantage of that by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, TikTok, and Instagram. Get clips of the show free of any censorship, free to watch. When you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. Thanks to all of you that listen to the podcast. You're a big reason why our contract didn't expire on December 31st, but we got an extension instead. So thanks to all of you for that. Please, if you've yet to do so, leave us a five-star review. Hit subscribe or follow. Uh, the more of you that do that, I'm told it does good things with these algorithms, but I doubt that because I think they hate me. But just in case I'm wrong about that, keep doing those things. And thank you to all of you who have. Next Monday is our final Ask Me Anything of the year. So if you've got a question that you want included in that Ask Me Anything, embed it into your five-star review, and it'll go to the front of the line for Todd's consideration for next week's AMA. This portion of the show brought to you by Rough Greens. It is the supplement powder for your pet. Why? Does your pet need one? Well, same reason you should be taking supplements these days, and we're taking a lot of them. It's a multi, multi-billion dollar industry, one of the largest sections at the grocery store uh, everywhere you go around America. Why? Because of the way our food gets made and distributed nowadays. A lot of the good stuff we need, the nutrition, nutrients we need stripped out for mass distribution. So we don't want to be unhealthy. So we put supplements into our diet to put that stuff back in. And now there is one for your pet because they do the same thing with your puppy chow as well. But you might be wondering, what if my pet doesn't like it? What if I don't see a difference? You guys just told me how much inflation has sucked in the last year. I don't need another wasted expense. And we agree. That's why we're going to offer you the first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less when you go to roughgreens.com. R-U-F-F, roughgreens.com. We'll give you that bag right there that Aaron has up on the camera. We'll give you that bag for free. You just pay for the shipping, but we pick up the bigger expense with the bag because we want you to try it. We fear if we do the whole thing for free, it won't. 
But if you put a few bucks in, you'll be more inclined to want to get some bang for your buck because we really think your pet will take to this and it'll be good for their overall health and wellness. All right. So roughgreens.com or call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Pop Culture Tuesday, we will discuss some of the feedback from a screening of a certain movie we did here in Dallas yesterday. Uh, also, fake news are not coming your way in a few minutes, but let's welcome in my oldest daughter, Anastasia. Good to see you, Princess. I see what chair you are sitting in. You look good there, but don't get used to it. Your time will come. Hasn't come yet, though. Now that I'm All sitting right. here, I'm thinking we should do a what if it was the Anna Day show. So the <laughs> Steve Day show. And I'm liking it. I'm liking the like idea. I said, not yet. Not your time yet, but it'll, it'll get there. It'll arrive. What are we doing this week? So today we are doing Christmas movie trivia, and I have a special prize that will open on the show for the winner. Oh. Is this a prize we want to win, or should we go ahead and take it? Uh, your listeners know. Oh, okay. All right. So, so how is this going to work? We'll do it like we did last week, where you guys will just bing in if you know it. And the three different movies we have, It's a Wonderful Life, A Christmas Story, and Elf. Are my bings delayed here on the Skype, guys? Is that going to work? No, it's not. No. Nope. Okay. Not delayed all right. at all. I was I was trying to come up with an excuse, a built-in excuse preemptively. <laughs> Do Aaron and I get a handicap because Steve I, has seen Elf and It's a Wonderful Life like a hundred times? I have. I've Just seen, this year, actually. Just this year. Yeah. I, I've seen Christmas Story... Uh, the last two years in the row, the first two times I've ever watched it. I just yeah. watched Elf over the weekend, so I have no excuses with that movie. Okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. Right. We'll start with Here It's a go. Wonderful Life. First question. What is the name of the guardian angel who takes George Bailey on his journey? Bing. Dad. Clarence. I was going to say Clester for some reason. <laughs> I, was on the, I was on the right track. I just saw this two weeks ago, and I still couldn't remember his name. Okay. You got a point, Dad. Next question. What is the name of George's youngest daughter? Oh, it's... Um, uh, it's the, Todd? The, the, the Zuzu. That is correct. Is yes. Dang it. Okay. <laughs> Third question and last question for the category of It's a Wonderful Life. What does George's brother Harry become when he joins the service? Bing. Uh, Bing. Todd? Pilot. That is correct. Dad. Dang it. <laughs> I thought I was going to speak that category. Dang it. Okay. We are moving on to a Christmas story. Todd leads two to one. Yeah. To zero. <laughs> okay. First question for a Christmas story. What was the secret message Ralphie deciphered from the Little Orphan Annie radio show? Hey, Todd. Hey, drink you more of the finishes the question. He, I did finish the question. I did. That is correct. Okay, question two. <laughs> Why don't you love Christmas, Steve? <laughs> See, I thought I was going to run the board of this bad boy. That's what I thought. Okay. To who gifts Ralphie a pink bunny onesie for Christmas? Oh, it's the Aunt Bing. It's the, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's the, the Aunt, aunt. Bing. <laughs> I can't remember to the say his name. aunt. Yeah. yeah, I'll take aunt. Yeah. I'll take aunt. Right. I was trying to remember the name, but it is the aunt. Yes. <clears throat> Last question for a Christmas story. Finish the quote from Ralphie's dad. Fragile. Bing. Todd. Must be Italian. Correct. Dad. <laughs> I am ashamed. 
We'll blame it on technical difficulties for this it's one. A del- I know I'm delayed. I think Aaron lied. <laughs> I know I'm delayed. Oh, now? Okay, so you wanted you wanted an excuse. I gave it to you, and now you don't want it. Okay. Wait a minute. No, no. No, I did lie. I did lie. Elf, hey, <laughs> come on. <laughs> so then it's settled, I guess. Elf is coming up. This I don't, is Elf. Have, uh, so uh, Todd is leading... Four two. Yep. Four two to zero. You okay. you could steal this, Steve. You, this, you you should know Elf way better than me. This will be embarrassing if you don't get this. I feel like Elf when he when he tries to trick the mall and Santa and admitting he's not Santa and asks him questions. They keep getting gets get, getting him right. And he's like, dang it. That's how I feel right now. Yes. <laughs> but what is, what song did you sing to me on my birthday? Happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here we go. Number one, what are the elves' four main food groups? Um, you have to say Bing. Bing, Bing, <laughs> candy cane, candy corn, ma- ma- maple syrup. Uh, um, Can I steal this? Is it Hershey's? Chocolate <laughs> Bing. syrup? Go, Heron. Candy, candy cane, candy corn, candy. and maple syrup. That is correct. <laughs> yeah. That is correct. Oh, Dad. Now the best he could do is tie. Hershey's? <laughs> oh, yeah. Dad. Okay. Question. Hold on a second. I'm having some technical issues here, guys. <laughs> yeah. She's named Anna, and she's your daughter, and it's awesome. Uh, how's the Anna Day show looking now? Anyways, question number two. What store does Buddy get a job at when he arrives in New York? Bing. Dad. Gimbals. That is correct. Last question. How many cookies did Buddy cram in the VCR? Oh, wow. I can't remember that. I can't remember that. Bing. Aaron. 13. That's close. Wow. Bing. Dad. 16. Okay, I'm going to give that to Aaron because it was 11. 11, wow. So Todd won. Todd, would you like to open your Christmas gift? I would love to. I would love to. Man. Christmas slappy. Good grief. What do I got here? Oh, yes. Green bean casserole. Look at that. Look at that. Beautiful. See, I knew there was a reason I didn't win. (laughs) I've got the recipe right here and the French onion crisps right here for you. Did you make it? No. Who made it? That's right. You hate it, too. Who made it? Um, My dad's mother-in-law, my grandma, Mary. Oh. Big fan of the show. She was very excited for this. God bless you, woman. God bless you. This, I mean, I'm... Todd's going to eat that on the show. I, I'm at a, I'm at a, I am. I, microwave at next break, and you'll see me live and in Technicolor eating green bean casserole. I think there is a little bit of a conspiracy theory I have going here. I think Steve knew that this was the present the whole way, and that's really the reason he's in Texas right now, to get as far away <laughs> from that as possible. I'm telling you right now, Erzin, if you open that into my studio, open air into my studio, you are fired for Christmas. I'm telling you that right now. All right. But if, if I get back there on Thursday and there is any lingering scent <laughs> of that monstrosity in my studio at all, you are crap canned for Christmas, brother. I'm just calling that right now. I might just have to risk it. 
<laughs> God bless us, everyone. Yeah. Thank you. And Merry Christmas, man. <laughs> Thank you, Princess. Appreciate it. Thank you, Anna. <laughs> so glad I didn't win. All right, let's get to let's get to fake news or not. And I want us to reset the conversation that we had. Uh, we we touched on a little bit at the top of the show, but that Aaron highlighted in his montage. Okay, and I want to talk about what Musk has unveiled with these Twitter files. And in essence, would we summarize them this way? Because for our audience, I don't think there's anything there, guys, that they didn't know. Right. It's a little bit like what we were talking about last week. It's one thing to suspect something. It's one thing to know something. It's another thing, though, to watch it get confirmed. Right. And so what all Musk is doing is confirming that Twitter put its thumb on the scale, put its heel on the scale, put the full body on the scale, put multiple bodies on the scale, that they were essentially running a government protection racket, that they got into bed with government. They were coordinating with elements of government, intelligence, FBI, et cetera, health officials, et cetera. Everything that you could imagine that we were all told was conspiracy theories in essence, have, has all been verified, including they were looking for reasons to, to ban President Trump, for example, even though they were admitting in their internal communiques he hadn't violated any of their terms of service. Before we get to the broader conversation of what's at stake, are there any other details there? Because I, I don't want to glom over them either, because there's some very important stuff, like the guy that was essentially this Yoel Roth was a complete and total creep-er. Is, is there something specific that you guys think we should address that was in those files before we move to the broader conversation? Well, I, I think we we didn't know the relationship, and not that I'm surprised by it, but it could have gone multiple ways. I, I, we did not know, in fact, the relationship with the actual, the power brokers, the button pushers, the final deciders, and then the mob that works at Twitter. Mm -hmm. And it just recently, you know, came out that yes, the power brokers uh, wanted to do us do this. We're discussing uh, doing this, but when it did not come out to the satisfaction of the internal mob, that they weren't necessarily uh, going to go all the way, at least not now, whatever that means, the, the mob at Twitter, absolutely went went nuts and put their boot on the throat of their own bosses and that seems to be what the last straw was did you guys get that read uh you're right yeah no that's that's the vibe that i i got as well i i think it cannot just be um i i meant to put this in the montage i think there was a little bit of confusion there was an fbi cia spook who was basically in charge of the of the censorship regime at Twitter. Is that bad? It's again, I repeat this and I keep repeating this. It's like it's like a conservative treehouse or what's another just kind of loose uh, loose fast and loose with the facts uh, type of right wing website it's it's like they wrote some piece of really bad fiction propaganda except it's real life except it's real life and i keep saying that <laughs> because the news 
sounds in, in, in anything that's revealed, it sounds like a piece of badly written right wing propaganda, but it's actually it's See, actually real. So that's one other thing that I, I meant to put in the montage. I forgot. And I went, didn't want to go too far before the question started happening. But that's something I'm thinking about. So do the power brokers, are they sitting there thinking, I want to do this, but I just don't think I can be that brazen and get away with all this. And do they I mean, do they have some of those power brokers, including this spook, then actually being the ones to prod the mob to get them into the froth? I mean, I like I said, I can imagine this going any number of ways in terms of the internals and how this worked. Because whether they are the mob or the power brokers, they're all insane. They're all ultimately doing what they wanted to anyways. But how are they emotionally manipulating each other to make it happen? Because it is, now that it's out, they, they knew what we knew. It's so right. brazen. It's so brazen. Can we do this? Should we do this? What are the consequences? I don't know. In essence, what I hear you guys saying is that what Musk is showing us is that, yes, you had the more, shall we call them, nefarious elements that were dictating things behind the shadows from on high. And by the way, likely in the case of former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, uh, or maybe potentially is a better word, lying under oath to Congress about the fact that they were doing it as a company. Um, that's one thing. But they also had this dialectic occurring yeah. where they've got this cabal of elites within their within their within their organization that are conspiring with a cabal of elites within government to be fascists. And then on the other hand we've got this charge of the of the light and the loafers brigade within their you know the, the, the within their I can't even employees, right? Okay? And so you you had this you had this demonic hegelian dialectic Okay, we're two two, you know, notions that are often at odds with each other. Highbrow elites on one end over here making decisions for the rest of for the for the rest of the community as a whole, and then this very lowbrow knuckle dragging element of of mom's basement dwellers living on avocado toast who just can't even every day. Okay, that are bullying these people at the exact same time. So you have this, usually these are two variants of, of, the, of, a, of, a, of a woke or demonic hive mind virus, right? In the case of Twitter, they joined into a Hegelian dialectic of the same, the, the thesis and the, antithesis, and the antithesis, they joined into the same thing. They, they merged into the same stream where people that are literally sleeping at cots at work when they bother to show up are bullying around the cabal of people who are making millions of dollars and calling the shots. I mean, the worst impulses, it's like the north it's like north the north and north pole and south pole elves, right? The worst impulses that typically are at least at odds with each other join together here in Twitter. Is that kind of what you guys are talking about? Yeah. For the most part, yeah. Absolutely. And again, just it's it's Musk's unveiling of not that we couldn't have guessed on some level, but you know, just the preening uh video that they we, we saw relatively recently of somebody going in and, and talking about their day at Twitter and it was mostly just, you know, lounging around and they're showing where all they get their free smoothies from and things like that. And so I, I don't think I don't think we really we understand thy enemy, but listen, our lives function differently and as great as it work is to work uh uh for steve dace and the steve day show and even being down at the blaze you know their commissary has some you know 
some some coffee, uh, some bags of uh, triscuits and stuff like that. You know, they're, they're not they're not just they're you don't walk in there and you're constantly uh, you know having smoothie breaks on the yes. hour. And and, yes. and my point in bringing that up is just the the emotional and psychological depravity and decadence going on in this place until you're really shown it with your own eyes um you you need to know that in order to know how to defeat it and this has been educational in the last month it's a true embodiment of the spirit of the age every yeah every vestige of it is embodied in the way twitter which operates again as the mouth of the the river for the flow of information in today's media culture is the way that it operated so let's play fake news or not with some of the things we may or may not have learned from the Musk files, which are still ongoing, by the way. We're gonna, he, he has vowed we're going to get into the 2020 election. We're going to get into COVID. So we'll see. Fake news or not, none of this is a surprise. Not even the degree to which this occurred is a surprise. Is that, a, is that fake news or not? That's not fake news. I, the only thing that I hesitate is what I just talked about with the CIA, CIA FBI spook. Because that just seemed a little too far-fetched. I just thought these are a bunch of stereotypical left-wingers in San Francisco just kind of jacking with the, the rest of the country. To have that connection there, uh, that that does... I can't say it surprises me. It more disappoints me. But no, I don't think any of this is 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 fake. I don't think this surprise. I don't think anything uh, surprised. So I I'm going to say that's not fake news. No, uh, not fake news. I don't. Do you remember back we were talking before COVID uh, on the show? We were making predictions about uh, social media beginning to put its thumb on the scale. We all knew this was coming on some level, but it, it went from zero to 60 really fast beyond even our expectations back then. Uh, now we've, uh, become a little numb to it, but again, I guess the one surprises and I alluded to it before, like the, the degree to which the, the, the power brokers, the, the way they make a lot of money that they can be cowed by their own mob of smoothie drinkers there to do something like this. Like, I just, I can't relate to that on any level. Like I told you a couple of weeks ago, like know your role, stay in your hole. They don't have the ability that you're really threatened by these people. And all it took was Elon Musk one day to walk in there and say, get the hell out of here. Fake news or not, further confirmation that free speech as we have traditionally known it in America is an illusion. Uh, we think we need to quickly revi- revisit a couple of things. We need to define what free speech is and then answer the question. Well, I, I guess this is tangential, but are, are we to be free speech absolutists as conservatives or whatever the heck conservatism means? So I would define free speech as uh, being free to, di- to discuss and have discourse out in the open about things that are pertinent um, uh, as defined by, I, I mean, you get to define what is pertinent uh, on any given day. Being able to discuss freely ideas about the future or state of civilization, give or take, something like that. Uh, Are we to be free speech absolutists as conservatives? If... Or I, I need to start saying uh, insurrectionists or insurgents, not insurrectionists, insurgents. As insurgents, are we to be free speech absolutists? Now, I think the answer to that question is unequivocally no. I don't want people, I don't want, 
I don't want people to feel free about, well, to talk about that Yul Roth guy talking Child about gay porn, porn all the time yeah. or talking about diddling kids or something like that. So that that is to say, all. so the free speech as I, as I just defined it, though, I think this is absolutely further comp- confirmation free speech is just an illusion. So I would say that is not fake news. Anything, I mean, name one thing of existential civilizational import that we are free to say what we really believe short of calls for fill in the blank saying what we really believe i got suspended on twitter i think it was earlier this year last year for saying transgenderism is a mental illness which it is name anything of existential import on twitter the, the original twitter that you can actually say the truth and what you really believe and not mm-hmm. feel free or not feel uh, um, threatened with banishment. So I, I absolutely believe freedom of speech is just an illusion. Yeah, it is just an, it is just an uh, illusion. So that's not fake news. But it, that has less to do with the people at Twitter that we're talking about than it has to do with the normies that uh, last week I called the biggest weirdos of all. You you keep accepting these terms. And it's not just with social media. It's everywhere you go. You're lectured uh, by these people who never plan on giving you a voice. And they keep saying, well, you know, we believe in kindness and tolerance. And they then they turn around and they never show it to you. And it's not just in school districts. You see how par- parents these days of sports teams, can some of them... Uh, go too far of course but these manifestos that are given by leagues of parents about uh, uh just shut up and let the experts handle this you coach soccer you're not an expert in anything that we we keep accepting this notion we don't want free speech that's the biggest problem and that's why it's an illusion next question nothing of consequence will occur as a result of these disclosures Fake news or not, Todd? Uh, I think that's uh, fake news because it, Elon Musk is already showing that there's uh, consequences. And we've been so consequence-free. Is Musk draining the swamp? Not you know like we were promised in chance for the last couple of years? Is he actually doing it? Well, he's doing it. and th- But this speaks to what I said last week with... Uh, DeSantis, when we were going back and forth a little bit about that, they these two men uh, can create an appetite, uh, and they certainly can get a lot done within Twitter uh, and within uh, Florida. But all of us, it's it's like um, Wonder Woman and Ares finally being defeated, and everybody just like waking up and breathing the free air again. That everybody's got to realize it doesn't have to be this way. In fact, this way sucks. The way they're showing us is much better. It goes back to what you said at the beginning, Steve, uh, when you were uh, echoing what what I was saying uh, with people just finally admitting, yeah, I was had by the whole COVID thing and admitting it. And that feels much better to admit it and move forward than the lie. But right now, people just like the lie better. So I think I think that there will be some consequences because I, I, I think Elon Musk maybe believes this but just from a business standpoint i mean he he got he he bought twitter for the expressed purpose of i think saving civilization or that it was important for the future of civilization i think any sh- anything short of consequences for i don't know where you begin i don't know where you begin with that conversation i think anything short of that is not going to be good enough for him and i think he will keep pursuing this 
as much as he possibly can to, to, to actually impose consequences. So to that end, final question. Elon Musk's end game here is nothing more than he's a man. This is what men of the West were like, regardless of religious views or church views. This is what men of the West were typically like. Wannabe alphas, actual alphas, not really tolerant of your BS, um, predatory on uh, when it came to competition, seeking domination of others uh, for their own benefit, uh, meritocracies. Um, I mean, this is what men were like before uh, the Elon Musk of the world dominated the Robert Reichs of the world. Um, mom's basement dwellers were inferior to people of strength and men of strength and initiative prior to this era. This was just the order of things, that there isn't some master plan. He's just a guy. We're just not used to men, fake news or not. Oh, that's not fake news. That's uh, perfectly said for part one of all that. But there's a part two of being a man. And I, I think the fact that you, you use the term endgame here has everything to do with what I'm about to say. What, what we have here is he snapped, Elon Musk, and he's basically taking us back 10 to 15 years with a, kind of a, a do-over. And I said, so don't, uh, uh, you know, don't go back to normal because normal sucked. Now, this back to normal is an opportunity. To say, listen, when we could really debate things um, uh, and there was a more open opportunity and uh, mm -hmm. give people the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but part two of that is we on our side, when we get that opportunity again, we need to argue better. We can't be David French. We can't just be open public square. And that's the goal of all this. That No, that's not the goal. The goal is the good, the true and the beautiful. Not just talking about it to talk about it. Talk about it to win. That's part two of being a man. Agreed with every syllable of that. Uh, this is not fake news. And um, I, I think I think at the end of the day, we've seen this from Elon Musk. There are two main wannabe disruptors right now that I can see uh, in, in the United States. Disrupt, disruptors of the system, the regime, the spirit of the age. That would be Elon Musk and Ron DeSantis. Yep. What does Ron DeSantis have a record of so far? Following through, seeing things through. Uh, what does Elon Musk so far proving himself um, to have a record of following through? Now, we'll see if he can go all the way within his power to do so. But I, I would agree that's not fake news. He's just a dude. Agree with what you just said with those two guys. In many respects, they have kind of occupied the singular space that Trump did for the last few years. DeSantis on the on the policy front and um, and Musk in terms of being a public disruptor front. We'll come back, Pop Culture Tuesday, and a screening about a certain movie next. Well, there's the Christmas music. A lot of us having four gatherings. This time you both here combined. Just make sure you don't have to worry about musky smells or pet odors or anything like that in your home with our friends over at Eden Pure. Their thunderstorm air purifier has been a big hit with our audience this year. We have read quite a few pieces of positive feedback that you guys have sent to us via the stevedace.com inbox. No filters to buy ever and over again. So you won't have that expense nor the hassle of changing them out. Put one in your basement, bedroom, family room, kitchen, 
uh, anywhere. Uh, maybe you want to have one in your home, one in your office. They come in packs of three. And right now you can get that three pack uh, for under 200 bucks and free shipping. The three pack for under 200 bucks and free shipping when you go to EdenPureDeals.com. Again, that's EdenPureDeals.com. And make sure that you use the code Steve3 for this offer. Use the code Steve3 for this offer, free shipping, and the three pack for under 200 bucks. When you go to EdenPureDeals.com, let's use the code Steve3. So right after we're done here, you guys are going to do the overtime. I've got a bolt. I have a very important meeting about the future of our nefarious film uh, and some VIPs to screen this too. I screened it to some other VIPs here, our colleagues at The Blaze yesterday. Um, one of our, uh, all, uh, several of our mucky mucks were there. Uh, let's see, our CEO Tyler was there. Our president Gaston was there. Uh, Ricky, who oversees a lot of our production as well as Glenn's executive producer. Our new colleague, Oran McIntyre was there and got a chance to have dinner with him last night, get to know him better, cool dude. Um, Chad Prather was there. We had a trained um, Oxford-educated theologian there who's a big fan of the show, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston from Prestonwood Baptist. I think it might be the biggest church here in the Metroplex. He is their director of apologetics. And so we rented a theater and uh, screened Nefarious for them and some other VIPs yesterday to get their feedback on the film. And uh, the feedback we got here is we get into Pop Culture Tuesday, where we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. And the reaction we got yesterday to the movie guys was, I mean, it was overwhelming. I mean, it's, it's similar to the reaction we have gotten from pretty much everyone thus far. We actually have some tweets from a couple of the folks that were at the event yesterday that uh, I want to share with you in the audience. Chad Prather, our colleague here, saying, I want my entire family to watch this new movie, Nefarious, like right now. It needs distribution immediately. I can't wait. Chad goes on to say, I'm still talking about this movie. No spoilers. Impressive and important. This is a great film. And I mean, I, I could see Chad pondering the movie physically, like visibly pondering the movie yesterday after it was over. And then, you know, when you screen it for the first time to an actual theologian, you're curious what kind of feedback you're going to get. And Dr. Johnston said, I saw a film today that is going to create major conversation soon. Think Hannibal Lecter's dialogue scenes and screw tape letters making a movie together. Thoroughly enjoyed Nefarious. No one left the movie the way that they entered. And he also had this to say, um... Well, I gave you the same one twice. My bad, Aaron. That's on Actually, me. that's my fault. Let me go get the oh, other one. Okay. All right. The the other one, he, I actually gave praise that, I mean, I don't, even, I don't even know what to say to that. I mean, he he compared it to, um, well, a, lot of, a movie that a lot of people think is the greatest movie ever made. Now, I don't think it's that good. It's my movie. That's not that good. Okay, but... To even be mentioned in the same breath as uh, the Shawshank Redemption, he just said some of the dialogue in the movie for him was as memorable as some of the lines in uh, in Shawshank. So, guys, your thoughts on some of that feedback that we got from our, our VIP screening yesterday? 
Well, Todd and I have seen the the final final cut too uh, now, and it doesn't surprise me that the feedback was what it was. This is not just oh for a three and a half million dollar movie. It's pretty good. It's objectively a good film. You absolutely hit the ceiling, I think, of what it could have been. And I don't really know how much more to say other than I'm kind of vicariously excited to see the reaction as well. This is the first time you've screened it, I guess, for an open audience of your your peers. I mean, I'm sure there are others that are kind of in the same, you know, same... Um, uh, range as you or same life situation as you, but this is the first time you've openly screened it. You've let your, your peers come and see it and to have such a strong reaction. I think that speaks volumes, but it's not exactly surprising for, uh, or, or to me. And, um, man, um, Bella got to watch it the other night as well. And as far as if you want to go, if you want to measure, so you're trying to make a, a thriller suspense, um, I guess horror type of movie, She's that's not really her genre, and uh, she was she was pretty spooked, and I don't think she'd um, mind me saying that she was pretty pretty spooked after the movie, and I don't think that's like a oh hey you did a good job of scaring people. I think that's just a measure of the quality of of the script and the quality of the follow through as well. Todd, yeah, I was hey. I was most taken by Prather's reaction, and I think it has a lot to do with the timing of seeing him say that in conjunction with us seeing it on Friday with our wives, uh, because we've already reflected on this. But wa watching my w wife, I could see her at the end of the movie kind of go into her little ball of protection, just mm -hmm. you know, because it was affecting her and what what was going to happen. But it didn't it didn't go too far and here's how i know because when there's movies that do that to her even if she doesn't think it was a a bad movie it was you know it, it, it was fine enough something like that she won't want to talk about it she'll actually want to put on a sitcom or something before we go to bed she flush it out of her brain yeah yeah she 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 talked about it the entire drive home and then 24 hours later like i think it was the next night she just kind of out of nowhere said it was so hard for me to sit through that movie and not ask questions or not make comments because it was so engaging on that level and and, and to hear her have that reaction and who's much more reserved and Chad Prather who you know he and reserved are not in the same sentence <laughs> it just right. it, it means that this movie can communicate the same fundamental very important thing to different kinds of people which i know was the goal of this all along it's meant to, yeah of course Steve's mentioned this before it, it there's a christian audience uh that hopefully is baked in the cake of wanting to see this but this is you know this is go to nineveh stuff too this is speaking to the people that desperately need to hear the gospel but as we talked about with um the movie about the uh, the priest that i still haven't seen uh the the um, father stew father stew and we talked about was there too much cussing in that well he said i people came to this at the beginning about it me and i said the men i know need to hear this need to hear this with that cussing it it doesn't mean cussing is good but that's the language that they understand and the hearing them hearing the gospel is more important well steve you, you've managed to create something that multiple ears can hear that's no easy task 
Well, I think what our filmmakers accomplished here with, there's a few light profanities. I think Helen Dammer said a couple of times. Um, there is violence, but not the kind of gore. Um, you know, you're not going to see people get throat slashed or decapitated or stabbed oh. like in a lot of horror movies with, you know, famous killers like Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger and stuff like that. My wife hates um, that stuff. She would have got out if I mean, she would have walked out because she couldn't take it. Right. And and even though we get into the demonic realm, you're not going to see a, a, a teenage girl masturbate with a crucifix like in The Exorcist or say things that are just beyond you know, obscene and tawdry. We actually, I think, found a way to adequately, but impactfully portray real evil without glorifying it, right. without getting yeah. into that instinct. That's exactly Which right. Is, and I said, when we started making this film, I talked about it on the show. I talked about it to you guys privately. I think the greatest thing that has held us back as a faith community in storytelling and is we are so fearful of glorifying evil that the villain doesn't resonate as an antagonist. Okay. And that this temptation that everything has to have a, a perfect Hallmark movie con conclusion, every, every plot point gets wrapped up and, and someone gets on their knees and asks Jesus into their heart at the end. It doesn't, the world doesn't work that way. Our own salvation stories do not work that way. It, it, it's a broken road to get to that point. And can we adequately show that in a way that makes you recognize this, this is evil. I'm not to be in the presence of something like this. It's unnatural, but it doesn't allure you either. Um, that's a difficult thread, a needle to thread. And, and I want to make sure that our audience knows when you get to see it next year, this ain't the Shawshank Redemption. I appreciate Jeremiah's there. There's, there's, there's some pros where it soars to that point, but stem to stern, it ain't that. Okay. It's a, it's a good movie. It's, it's, it's well done. It's impactful, but you know, Let's not, you know, go crazy complimenting each other quite yet. But what it did manage to do is accomplish some things that we have struggled as a faith community to accomplish in this in this realm. And that is the, an accurate depiction of evil without glorifying it, number one, and the telling of a of a powerful story without the temptation of making it of giving it the corny, cheesy, smalty ending that underrides un, un, that, that you know undermines the integrity of the storytelling. We accomplished those two things, and I think that kind of elevates its quality in people's minds because they're not used to seeing people like us able to accomplish that. Does that make sense? And so I think that makes people think maybe the movie. Don't get me wrong; it's a very good movie, but. It, this ain't an AFI top 100 all-time entry here. I, I just think the fact that we were able to do a couple of things that we've not really seen people with our worldview do with mainstream storytelling, I think that's what's maybe surprising people more than anything else. You used a phrase off the air talking about this. Maybe it was on the air. I can't remember. And uh, watching the final, final cut the other night, uh, it kind of came back to me as well. The movie imposes its will on you. No matter what you come in there with, mm -hmm. no matter if you're pissed about some of the, uh, without giving anything, it, it, there will be some who might watch this movie 
who are so dug into the spirit of the age that will be pissed about some things. That in and of itself means the movie has imposed its will uh, on them, especially mm-hmm. the way that it's done. There will be others who have an open mind who at the end of the movie will be looking over their shoulder because it has so challenged them. That is another example of the movie. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if this was a $35 million movie or a $3.5 million movie. It's forcing it's forcing an answer. And you talk about threading a difficult needle. How to portray true evil without glorifying it with, as you mentioned, no redemption or not much redemption at the end. That's, that is probably the most difficult needle to thread, especially when this is obviously a missional movie. A yes. missional movie. It's not just, you're not just doing this randomly. So, and I think you did it. I think you did it. Yeah, it's funny how you put that. Christians have just simply come not to expect that much out of this genre other than in a Hallmarkian sense. And again, it's my wife and I ended up sharing the same uh, scene that was our favorite. And you, Steve, this is the one that you insisted be in. It's, it's the one scene that's kind of explicitly about the church. And, and I won't spoil it, but the simple truth of the matter is that the devil has a higher expectation for the church than many Christians do. And that's a problem. And that's my wife and I talked about that scene at length because it's so important to the telling of the movie. It comes, I don't know, it's like 20 minutes into the movie maybe. Mm -hmm. And it's so necessary for you understanding everything else that comes after that. So I know you guys that are watching or listening right now, you have a million questions like a trailer. I'm hoping we'll begin work on the trailer as soon as later this week. Distribution. Well, the mo- the meeting that I'm running out of here at the end of the show to go to after we complete this may go a long way to, to helping us determine the answer to that question. Uh, release date. It'll be sometime next year. Um, I mean, we have a done film. It, it could be released at any point. We want to have enough lead up time to promote it, obviously, because we think it has broader appeal beyond the faith community. In fact, our, our filmmakers screened it with some people um, that work for other conservative media platforms that are producing original content. And they were so impressed with it that they told them not to, uh, not to categorize it as a Christian film, not even a conservative film, that it's just, it's a good standalone supernatural thriller on its own, you know, and has broad appeal because of the caliber of the writing and the, and the production and the, and the uh, acting in the film. So those questions you guys all have, I have them too. But we now get to the point of this, now that the film is completed, we get to the point of this that um, we get to now start having those conversations. And a lot of those things are going to be settled probably here in the first quarter of next year. Is there anything else there that I didn't bring up you guys can think of I should mention? Not really. Um, I think that the the trailer at least, and I just see a lot of people, okay, just tell us when the movie is coming out. That that will happen. It will happen, I'm I'm sure. Uh, But I think the trailer is what people are looking forward to the most. And that's another thing, another underrated thing that you'll probably... And I I trust, uh, based on what I've seen from the movie, if the same people who edited the movie do the trailer, it'll be good. But that's another thing that you kind of have to stick as well. Yep. I mean, there's a movie that came out this year, Smile. It's an okay horror film. 
it's one of the biggest, it's one of the most profitable movies in America this year because of how great its trailer was. So particularly in this genre, the trailer matters a lot, particularly in this genre. Do you capture people's attention with enough suspense and a good enough hook in this genre, especially it matters. Yeah. Can't wait to, I mean, it'll, I would absolutely just go pay money to go to a crappy movie or at least just to see the trailer up on the screen. Uh, it would be so exciting to just watch other people's uh, reactions if it's uh, done well and done right, and I have no doubt that it will be. It is, it's this is such an opportunity uh, to catch people when they aren't prepared for the greatest story ever told. So, if you guys are the praying type, this meeting I've got coming up here has the potential to radically alter the trajectory of our nefarious film. So, no pressure. We'll be back at it again tomorrow. <laughs> Todd and Eric are going to stick around and do the overtime. I got to bounce. We'll see you guys all tomorrow right here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.